This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And we are an hour removed from that 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline. Adam Schefter reported there's no deal between Saquon Barkley and the Giants. It's the $10.1 million tag or sit out the season. That's where we're at, Chris Canty. And Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, who also didn't get the long-term deal, they haven't signed those franchise tenders yet, according to Adam Schefter, so they can skip all of training camp without getting fined since they're not under contract. They lose game checks only if they miss regular season games, and you have to wonder when we will see Saquon Barkley out on the field for the Giants. When do you anticipate that we'll see Saquon, Chris? No time soon, Michelle. It ain't going to happen. Like, I mean, training camp is getting ready to kick off next week for some teams. But I I think this is going to be a situation with Saquon Barkley. Uh, I mean, him showing up. If he decides he's going to show up before week one, it will be right before week one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if you're the New York Giants, this is something that you anticipated could potentially be one of the outcomes with your stance and how you chose to negotiate with Barkley. And what do you think this means for his long-term future with the Giants? Do you think that we're watching the beginning of the end? Well, I mean, Michelle, when it comes to running backs, once you get past year four, year five, you are talking about them being on the downside of their career, Mm -hmm. right? The prime of a running back is in the first four or five seasons of the career. It's not like other positions where you're talking about a guy being in his later 20s or early 30s being in the prime of his career. It's a, it's a much different position because of the wear and tear, the physical punishment that those guys take because of the number of the hits that they take. And, and so if you're the New York Giants, I mean, this is a situation where you, you like the player, but you don't know if you want to commit the guaranteed dollars long term. Just because you don't know if the player is going to be, A, as productive as we've seen Saquon Barkley over the, la- over the last year, but also if he's going to be as available as he was last year. You remember, before last year, Saquon Barkley had missed parts of each of the three seasons prior. So, I mean, you have to be concerned with the injury history, and you also have to be concerned with the decline in productivity that you saw from Barkley over the last two months of the 2022 regular season. Our ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Renan has been all over this story. Now, we know that the contract negotiations between New York and Saquon Barkley, they've they've been rocky from the beginning. The Giants made mm-hmm. an initial offer during the bye week last November that Barkley never seriously considered. The two sides tabled the talks until after the season. We know that the Giants' offers to Barkley increased earlier this year. It reached a point where the deal could max out at, a, at about $14 million per season. But... What was the sticking point? Here is Jordan Renan, our ESPN Giants reporter, who joined the Michael K. Show. They already have a, a deal on the table, right? It's $10 million this year. Gets tagged again 12.2 the following year. That's $22.2 million. He could basically insure himself for most of that money next year. God forbid something catastrophic happens this year. So unless it's really over that number, like $22 million is the floor to start where it guaranteed money that makes sense for him. I had executive from another team tell me today, like, yeah, he probably needs to get like 24 to $6 million guaranteed for it to be a good deal and one that makes sense for him. And if you're the Giants, they were not going there because, like you said, the market does not say that that's a good thing to do. So it's almost like the franchise tag kept him from being able to right. re-sign and sign well, a deal with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, that's the economics of the position, right? Because the franchise tag is based on an average of the salaries over the last five years or so. 
uh, and the top five salaries at that position over the last five years. So I, I understand how that all works in terms of how they come up with the number for the tag. But that doesn't matter when you're a player like Saquon Barkley that's looking for the financial security. And this was a situation where you would hope that ownership would step in because the player has meant so much in the locker room and in the community because the organization drafted this guy when they were dreadful in 2018 and he ended up putting on a good face and giving fans something to cheer about even in the midst of a stretch where the Giants had five consecutive double-digit loss seasons. Saquon Barkley was there for all of the ebbs and flows in the transition away from Eli Manning and he put on a good face for the Giants in doing so. So the only way that he was going to get his money was if ownership stepped in and said, we are going to reward this guy based on what he's meant for the franchise as opposed to what Joe Shane is trying to do, which is negotiate based on what he thinks Saquon will do from a production standpoint moving forward. And as a former Giants player Mm -hmm. and as a Giants fan, I'm excited that the organization is finally starting to operate like a functional franchise, and let the football people make football decisions. And so that's the one part about the Saquon Barkley decision, not to get a multi-year deal to him today, Whereas a Giants fan, you can feel good about. It sucks for Saquon, and I'll always root for players to get their money, but the running back market, because it's so depressed, it's hard to do that unless your team is in position where they can contend for a championship. One guy who did get his money is quarterback Daniel Jones, that four-year, $160 million contract. And a lot of what made the offense successful last year, Chris, was Saquon Barkley. How does this impact Daniel Jones, not knowing when Saquon is going to be there? How how much of what we saw from Daniel Jones and the success that he had do you think was predicated on Saquon Barkley being on the field? Oh, it was a lot of it. Uh, I mean, Saquon was a safety valve. I mean, Daniel Jones, passer rating, all you have to do is look at it when he's targeting Saquon. It's over 90. I mean, this this guy makes a difference in terms of how the, the game slows down a little bit for DJ. I mean, he's a weapon that you can use, a guy that can dictate front and coverage. Um, so it makes it a lot easier in the passing game because you have larger windows. Those safeties creep down in the box close to the line of scrimmage to stop Barkley. That means one-on-one coverage on the outside, bigger windows uh, for the quarterback to throw the football to. So, again, he makes the game easier. Even on the zone read actions that Brian Dable um, deploys and allows Daniel Jones to be a threat to run the football, a lot of those lanes get opened up because the defense is trying to account for Saquon Barkley. So, he makes their offense a lot easier. He accounted for a third – of of the production from that offense last year, which is a huge number for one player to account for that much of your offense. But that's what you saw from Saquon. That's how good the season was. He had 1,600 yards from scrimmage last year in double-digit touchdowns. So phenomenal year. It's not going to be easy to replace that production if you're missing it early on in the season. But I think the Giants are weighing that versus what it could look like if they came to a long-term pack with a player that they don't think is going to be available and or produce at the same level. At that 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline today, not only did Saquon Barkley not get that long-term deal, but Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard didn't as well. The last time a running back signed a long-term contract worth $10 million or more per year was Nick Chubb in 2021. 
per Adam Schefter. That's 716 days ago. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Well, we talked a little bit about Daniel Jones, the quarterback. Let's talk about the top 10 quarterbacks for 2023. So we, we love lists here. Can't we love, love lists. lists? So execs, coaches, and scouts, they casted their votes, and we have the NFL's top ten quarterbacks for 2023. Here's one through five from number one through number five. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Justin Herbert. Now, some conversation points in the bottom half of that. Coming in at number six, Jalen Hurts. Coming in at nine. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. You had Dak Prescott on your list earlier of the top five individuals in the NFL with the most pressure upon them heading into the 2023 season. So Dak Prescott, do you think he's a top 10 quarterback? No. (laughs) And Michelle, to take it a step further, I didn't think he was a top 10 quarterback last year when Jeremy Fowler came out with this list. Or or, or, Let me stop calling it a list. Let me call it a survey because that's what he did. He surveyed coaches and executives around the NFL. I didn't think that Dak was a top 10 quarterback last year, especially when they had a list that had Lamar Jackson on the outside looking into the top 10. I was like, there's no world in which you could tell me that Dak Prescott is a better player at the quarterback spot than Dak Prescott, I mean, uh, uh, than Lamar Jackson. There's no way you could tell me that Prescott was better than Lamar Jackson. Fast forward a year later, you're talking about Dak having 15 interceptions in 2022 and Lamar Jackson signing a contract, making him the richest player at the position based on average annual value. And now Lamar Jackson being seventh on that list of the top 10 quarterbacks. So I just, it, it, Dak as a top 10 quarterback to me is more narrative than it is based in fact. And maybe it's because of how he started his career, Michelle with being able to supplant Tony Romo and become the full-time starter in his rookie year to lead the team to the playoffs in two of his first three seasons. Maybe it has a lot to do with that, but I just I don't see it. Again, Dak Prescott in his last, 35, last 31 games has got 35 turnovers. That, that's not a franchise quarterback. Dak Prescott in his last two playoff losses against San Francisco were to Jimmy Garoppolo, and he came up small in those games. Look at all of the turnovers that you get from Dak Prescott in the postseason. That That is not representative of top 10 quarterback play, and that's why I have a lot of questions about it. In looking at this list, the quarterbacks that are right in front of Dak Prescott on this list, Justin Herbert, who's fifth, Jalen Hurts, who's sixth, Lamar Jackson at seven, Trevor Lawrence at eight. Michelle, I would argue that Dak Prescott – is a lot closer to Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff, as opposed to that list of Herbert, Hertz, Jackson, and Trevor Lawrence. Now, the one thing that Cousins, Carr, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff got in common, none of them guys are on that list. None of them. They're not. And so, th- to me, I, that that's the part where I struggle with calling Dak Prescott a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League. Now, I get it. People say, well, if he's not, who's in your top 10? Listen, I'm more comfortable with Kirk Cousins being in the top 10 based on what we've seen from him in the last two years than with Dak Prescott being in that that conversation. I, I am. And it's sad to say it, but that's where we're at with Dak Prescott. He is not a force multiplier like the other guys that are right in front of him on this list. 
which is why I had such a big issue with this survey once Jeremy Fowler put it out there. Okay, so much to dive into with Dak Prescott here, Canty. I have so many tentacles that I want to pull from everything you just said. But he did lead Dallas to five winning seasons, four playoff appearances. I know he's two and four in the playoffs. Not great. The record is not great. A three thirty three playoff win percentage is the second worst over the last 10 postseasons. He has been to a pair of Pro Bowls. Regular season, Dak has, has certainly shown you some brilliance at times. But Jeremy Fowler put together this list, and again, it's execs, coaches, and scouts. It's people that don't need to play into this narrative. Do you think it's just because of the franchise he plays for that we put so much weight on the guy who has the star on his helmet that they look at Dak like that? Because I I could argue that he's a, a potential top-10 quarterback. I like that he's down low on this list. But I just wonder if if where he's playing plays into the way we view him at all. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at the season that Geno Smith put together last year, it's not close when you start talking about how he played versus how Dak played in terms of the overall production. It's just not. Like, Geno was a better quarterback. There were some people that wanted to put Geno Smith in the MVP conversation at the midway point. I wasn't one of them, nor would I ever consider that. But, like, when you start talking about the way that certain quarterbacks play, like – Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Everybody talks about Kirk Cousins and how he doesn't play well when when it matters the most. Say what you want, but Kirk Cousins quarterbacked a 13-win team last year. Uh, I mean, listen, the, the Kirk Cousins had a heck of a year. Uh, I mean, so I just I, I look at certain things and it's just it doesn't necessarily feel like people are living in reality when it comes to Dak Prescott and just how good he is in comparison to other quarterbacks around the National Football League. I think we focus more on the first three years and we discount everything that's happened in between because of the various injuries that he's had to deal with or the the turmoil that the franchise has been going through. But again, when you have a quarterback that's a top 10 player, he's supposed to be a stabilizing force amidst all of that. And it hasn't felt like Dak Prescott has done that the last couple of years. Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman on Canty and Carlin. We're talking about Jeremy Fowler's latest piece. It's over on ESPN.com, ESPN Plus. Execs, coaches, and scouts ranking the NFL's top 10 quarterbacks for 2023. Canty, can I give you my biggest gripe with this list? What's up? Why is Jalen Hurts number six? I think he should be higher on this list. I would put him above Justin Herbert, who's at number five, and I would put him above Aaron Rodgers, who's at number four. He led the team, his team last year, the most regular season wins. They tied with the Chiefs for 14. The top seed in the NFC. They had the league's third ranked offense. He had career bests in a lot of categories. And here's my favorite Jalen Hurts stat. He was great in critical moments. His QBR ranked top four on third down in the red zone and in the fourth quarters of games all last season. That's according to ESPN Stats and Info. I know he took a big leap from the year prior, so maybe that's why some people didn't really want to vote him higher. They want to see Mm. if he can do it again. But he was a legit MVP candidate all through last year. If he didn't deal with that injury, that shoulder injury, and sit out week 16 and 17, we'd be talking about him as the MVP. Yeah, and we'd also be making more of the fact that I thought he had a better performance from a quarterback play standpoint than Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I mean, people don't want to say that because Mahomes was on the winning side of it. You got to remember, Jalen Hurts is not the one that's defending the Pat Mahomes passes. So, I mean, it's, just, it's a situation where Jalen Hurts is not getting enough credit. They, they want to assign him, you know, the whole system quarterback label. But this is a player, Michelle, 
that had 35-plus touchdowns in the regular season and had single-digit turnovers. Since 2017, there have only been four guys to do that other than Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, that's just how, that shows you how efficient he was in, in his level of play last year. And so I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves, but the dude is a flat-out baller. Uh, and most importantly, he takes care of the football and he puts his team in position to win. They get out to fast starts. He's usually great about being able to close the show. Uh, I, yeah, I thought Jalen Hurts should be higher. And the Aaron Rodgers inside of the top five is a head-scratcher for me as well. Do you think it's what you've done in totality, not what you've done recently? Yeah, That's I what people just want to give him the respect it, vote? Yeah, I think that's a lot of what it is. And people putting a lot of respect on the Jets' defense. Like, people acknowledging that the Jets have a championship-level defense. You got to keep in mind, people want to be right when they're, giving their, when they're opining about these types of things. So it's like, oh, I'm willing to overlook Aaron Rodgers' season last year. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because of the situation he's stepping into. But let's keep this in mind. Aaron Rodgers was ranked 27th in QBR last year. 27th. Ain't but 32 starting quarterbacks. He was 27th. (laughs) He was not good. Not good by any any stretch. And so to to say that that guy is a top five quarterback, I just just can't get on board with it. I, I really can't. He's Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And coming up next, are the Giants still a playoff team with or without Saquon Barkley? We're going get to get into that after Chris has this word from NHTSA. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sound speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, There are lots of sounds that you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You could even hear the sound of people crying at your funeral, at a funeral. Because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. No deal between Saquon Barkley and the Giants prior to the 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline today. It's the $10.1 million tag or Saquon sitting out this season. We're going to discuss it right now with our ESPN NFL analyst and the host of the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny podcast, Mina Kimes, who joins us. And Mina, thank you for the time. When do you expect that we'll see Saquon out on the field? for the Giants? Uh, the million-dollar question, or more than million. We don't know how many millions. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that – here, I'll start here. There have been very few successful holdouts, frankly, in the history of the NFL. But uh, with the running back position in particular, um, you know, most recently you're looking at Melvin Gordon holding out with the Chargers. For a few, I'm t- talking about uh, – Holdouts actually going into the regular season, by the way. Uh, Melvin Gordon missing a few games. That didn't work out for him. Le'Veon Bell missing, of course, season in Pittsburgh. Ultimately, I would say that didn't work out for him financially. So the Giants know this, and I think that's a big part of the reason why they were comfortable, uh, you know, essentially daring Saquon to exercise the only leverage he has in this situation, which is a holdout. Uh, It's unfortunate uh, that he only has that available to him but um it leads me to believe it's pretty unlikely he's going to actually skip real games and miss game checks camp is i mean you lose money for skipping camp as well team i doubt cares that much so that's another story mina the soft running back market is it a product of teams not valuing um you know the impact that players at that position have or is it more about mitigating risk on a long-term contract with players at that position moving forward? I think it's about mitigating risk and trying to evaluate how uh, those contracts will look in the future. You're not paying players for what they've done so far. You're theoretically paying them for what they'll do. And unfortunately, uh, the recent history, uh, not just recent, but of Uh, Second, third running back contracts is not great. Uh, You can point to a couple of examples of backs who got paid another, you know, their second contracts. And I think it worked out for the teams or second or third. Uh, Nick Chubb comes to mind, Cleveland, Derrick Henry in Tennessee. But those are those were reasonable contracts. They're actually pretty similar, both uh, ultimately about two years guaranteed in the twelve million dollar range. I don't know what New York offered Saquon, but I think I suspect it was probably somewhere around there. But anything beyond that, you know, it just hasn't worked out for teams uh, for a number of reasons, guys. The the position tends to peak. Players who play the position tend to peak around 27. Their production has been often reproduced by players who are cheaper, players on rookie contracts. 
Um, a lot of teams are leaning on a committee approach as well. So it just ends up not being good value. And teams are acting logically, even if it is un, you know, unfortunate. Our ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes joining Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman on Canty and Carlin. And, Mina, we were just dissecting Jeremy Fowler's list that he put out over at ESPN.com where execs, coaches, and scouts ranked the NFL's top 10 quarterbacks for 2023. Mm. Now, Dak Prescott came in at number nine on this list. Do you think Dak Prescott is still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, no doubt. I did my own list on my podcast, I want to say, three or four weeks ago, and I had Dak at eight. Um, You know, just – uh statistically uh for the last few years he's been right there i think last year obviously there was the interception problem but that was an aberration in his career he'd never had an interception problem before last season um you know by every metric he is right there in the mix uh frankly i was a little bit more surprised to see aaron Rodgers at four just based on um his season last year which was pretty bad but he was also hurt and i have to think executives were taking that into account. Mina, last year we, we saw Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson not on Jeremy Fowler's top 10 quarterback list this year. All three of those guys are in the top 10. Is there a couple of quarterbacks that you can see that by season's end will find themselves inside of the top 10 quarterbacks in the National Football League? Uh, you know, based on this top 10 um, – I actually wouldn't, not being a homer, I swear, I wouldn't be surprised if Geno Smith uh, ends up there. Not just, you know, last year he was by every metric a top 10 quarterback. I understand perhaps some hesitance on the part of front office people just because it was like a one-year thing. But the Seahawks have put him in a really good situation. You know, really one of the best one, two, three punches of wide receiver in the league, especially, the, you know, the drafting of Jason Smith. Jigba added another running back year two for the young offensive line. Um, so there's no reason why with another season under his belt, an off season where he was the unquestioned starter that he can't be even better. Mina, speaking of lists earlier in the show, Chris Canty gave his list of the top five players in the NFL, or excuse me, top five individuals. Cause there was a coach on the list that are facing the most pressure heading into 2023. Who do you think is under the most pressure in the NFL this season? Ooh, uh, <laughs> Gosh, if you're counting everyone, it's interesting. I mean, I, I would say Rodgers probably just given what New York gave up for him. But reality, it's less him and more uh, Joe Douglas, their GM. Um, so I would put him, them in the mix. Um, Mike McCarthy, you know, we talk about Dak, but moving on from the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, taking over play calling, a team that's been right there on the edge, very good defense, but just, you know, flamed out. The end of the playoffs now a couple years in a row. I think he's probably facing a lot of heat because of the expectations for that team. So he comes to mind as well. Well, Mina got three to five. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Talking with ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes. And and Mina, uh, we we were talking about emojis because it's World Emoji Day today. And Michelle and I told more about ourselves on this show than we cared to by listing our top three emojis um, based off of how much we use them on our iPhones. And so I wanted to ask you, what is your most used emoji? Uh, I use the 
guy who's skeptically thinking a lot, uh, you know, with the finger kind of point where he's like, oh, I also like the monocle one, which kind of conveys the same emotion, which is skepticism. I use those two a lot in response to texts that both my friends send me, but also uh, things like, you know, when a top 10 list comes out and I don't agree with it, I'll, I'll hit him with the skeptical face. Yeah. I love Maybe it. Maybe I should send that. Maybe I should send that monocle uh, emoji out with my Cowboys tweets for 2023. Maybe that'll work out. I like it. That sounds good. Follow Mina Kimes on social media at Mina Kimes and listen to the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, Lenny podcast. Mina, great information as always. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. Bye, guys. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, Bill Barnwell believes the Packers are going to win the NFC North. Is he right? What does success look like for Jordan Love this season? We're going to examine it next. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. 52 days away, Chris Canty, from the start of the NFL season. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And Chris, the NFC North is quite the question mark. It's going to be one of the most interesting divisions in football this year. The Detroit Lions are the favorite to win the division. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings had a very successful year last year, but they had a record-setting 11 wins in one-score games. I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that. The Bears with Justin Fields, certainly the arrows pointing up, but you don't know if they're going to be a year or so away. And the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love finally getting the baton from Aaron Rodgers. It's the first full season with Jordan Love. A lot of questions about the NFC North. Who do you like coming out of that division? Uh, uh, you know what? Here's the thing. I like what my former teammate Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions, is building in Detroit. But it feels like they're that trendy team that everybody is jumping on the bandwagon in the offseason and the preseason. And it never quite pans out the way that everybody expects when most people zig I like to zag okay I don't know if I can roll with that but I would say this keep an eye out on what happens with the Chicago Bears I I like the direction that that offense is going the weapons that they're putting around Justin Fields and I get it it's a roster that has a ton of questions but I don't have any questions about the talent level of the quarterback so I I think when you start to look at the division as a whole I think it's pretty easy to make the argument that the Bears have the most talented thrower in Justin Fields. So we'll see what they end up doing with that. But it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the two young signal callers in that division, that being Justin Fields and Jordan Love, and the pressure that's going to be on Jordan Love with how everything has been resolved in the wake of Aaron Rodgers departing for the Jets. So you like the Bears, or you're at least saying pay attention to the Bears. I'm definitely drinking the Dan Campbell Kool-Aid. I like the Lions. What about our ESPN NFL writer, Bill Barnwell? Who do you think is a threat to win the NFC North, Bill? I'm going beyond legit threat. I'm saying they're going Whoa, to win. What? Call, rename this the Bill the Barnwell NFC show. North this Look year. Look at this. And my logic is simple. This is 18. They won 13 games each of the three prior seasons. And, of course, that was with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. But... I think the defense is very good. Mm-hmm. I think the offensive line is the healthiest it's been in a few years. And I'm willing to place a bet here, or an implied bet, on Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur. Because oh. I don't think 
those guys trade Aaron Rodgers mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. unless what they're seeing from Jordan Love in practice is enough for them to believe that they can win with Jordan Love as their starting quarterback. So Bill Barnwell going with the Packers to win the NFC North. Michelle, I love Bill Barnwell, but <laughs> what they're seeing in practice, I'm telling you that you, you, it's hard to base those types of decisions when you're talking about a four-time MVP winner based on what you're seeing from the second-string quarterback in practice. Practice is not going to tell you the full story. you got to see a guy out in game situations in order to feel comfortable with him being your future moving forward. Now, lucky enough for the Packers brass, they did get a glimpse of that last year when you saw Jordan Love come in in the second half of that game in Philadelphia and played really, really well. Now, he, made it, he was able to make it a game or at least make it look competitive, um, but I think it, it gives you shades of what we saw from Aaron Rodgers in 2007 when he came in in the second half against the Dallas Cowboys and he lit it up and made it a one-score game at the end. I think people then saw that the production could get close to the talent that the organization saw in the guy when they made him a first-round pick. And so I think Green Bay has reached that point in Jordan Love's career where they're like, you know what, we got to give this guy an opportunity, and he's shown us enough in terms of how he's handled himself in the film room and in the limited opportunities that he's given that we should give him the opportunity to be the starting quarterback going into a season. So I I'm not going to go out as far as to say that they're going to win the division, but I do think they'll be more competitive than people want to give them credit for. Also, I don't know if it was how hyped they were about what they were seeing from Jordan Love that allowed them to make that decision on Aaron Rodgers or that he put them in a position where they had to. He's going into the darkness saying, I might retire. I don't know. I want to be a Jet. He put it out there publicly. He didn't want to stay there. So even though they do have some confidence in Jordan Love, I don't think that that was the driving factor in Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Now, another thing, Chris, I'm looking at their schedule right now, the Packers schedule. And in addition to playing, obviously, teams in their own division, they play the NFC South. They have what looks like a pretty winnable schedule or at least a favorable schedule for them as I'm going through it. So I wonder how much that's going to play into it as well and how helpful that will be for Jordan Love. Because when I look at success for Jordan Love this season, I think he just needs to prove that he's a guy. I don't think that if they don't make the playoffs or they don't win the division that we're going to put that much pressure on him. You know the runway for him is two seasons based on the contract. But I think they would just like to head into the 2024 season knowing that they've got their guy. Yeah, I think they want some affirmation as a franchise. And they did, um, you know, they did the prudent thing in terms of signing him to uh, a two-year contract as opposed to allowing him to play out the last year of his rookie deal and then the fifth-year option. I think they made the sound decision in terms of making this a two-year audition. But here's the thing. When gauging the success of Jordan Love, I, I don't think we we're going to be able to do that in a vacuum or in a silo. I think a lot of it – a lot of what it's going to be perceived to be is going to hinge on how well Aaron Rodgers plays in New York. Because if Aaron Rodgers goes to New York and is 27th in QBR like he was last year, then people will think that the, the Packers made the right decision in moving on from Rodgers, regardless of what they see on the field from Jordan Love. If Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers are terrible, well, we'll take the guy that's terrible for a fraction of the cost because Aaron Rodgers is making $50 million a year. But if Aaron Rodgers goes out there and takes the Jets to a conference championship game or a Super Bowl, then everybody will look at it and say the Packers made the wrong decision. So I think a lot of what, we, what we'll perceive Jordan Love to be and what we think a successful season for the Packers is in 2023 will hinge on 
how well Aaron Rodgers plays in the Big Apple. Couldn't agree with you more. And whether it's fair or not, they're going to be intrinsically connected forever. Look at Belichick and Brady. We viewed both of them and their measure of success, especially in the immediacy of that breakup, in comparison to one another. And Jordan Love could have a strong season, but if Aaron Rodgers goes out there and lights it up and has a bounce-back year, carries the Jets to success, people aren't going to be pleased with Jordan Love just establishing himself in 2023. They're going to expect more from him, whether it's fair or not. Yeah, and I think we have to also put this out there, Michelle. Let's make sure we don't set the bar too high for Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers was 6-10 and 10 in his first year as a starter, and in his third year as a starter, won the dog on Super Bowl as a wild card. So let's make sure we pump the brakes in terms of what the expectations are in the way of win totals for Jordan Love in 2023. Important distinction, Chris Canty. I'm glad you did that. He is Chris Canty. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And earlier today, that 4 o'clock Eastern time deadline between Saquon Barkley and the Giants, they did not get a long-term deal done. What was the main sticking point in the contract negotiations with the Giants and Saquon? We'll talk about it next here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.